0: Well, we are finishing a sermon series today. We are concluding a sermon series we have been in for the last three weeks. And as we finalize the sermon series today, my hope and my prayer is that during this time, during these three weeks, that we have discovered, that we have discovered in the very core of our being, that we have discovered at the very center of who we are, that our satisfaction and our fulfillment does not come in comparing ourselves, our lives, our relationships, or our stuffs to someone else. We will not be satisfied by looking across the fence at someone else's house, someone else's car, someone else's spouse, someone else's children, someone else's career, someone else's life, we will not be satisfied, we will not be fulfilled comparing our lives to someone else. Because your fulfillment comes, our satisfaction comes from the person named Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus is not a limited resource Jesus, the infinite God, is available to all. And so the beautiful thing about finding our fulfillment and our satisfaction in Jesus is finding our satisfaction and our fulfillment in Jesus helps to guard our hearts from the deep damage that can be done by comparison. And so this whole sermon series, Keeping Up with the Joneses, has been rooted in this idea that there is an incredibly high cost to comparison. There's an incredibly high cost comparison. And so that's what we get here in Exodus 20:17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. If we're living out the commands of God, if we're living out what God requires of us, if we're living the kind of life that God said brings life to us and brings peace to us and brings health to us, if we're living out that kind of life, we're not going to want what someone else has. We're not going to want somebody else's stuff. We're not going to want their relationships because I'm living at peace with my God and my family and my friends. If we get caught up in the comparison game, we will lose time and time again because no matter what you have, no matter how much you achieve, no matter what your relationships look like, no matter what your family looks like, no matter how big the house is, no matter how great the job is, no matter what you have, there will always be someone who has more and there will always be someone who has it better. And so today, I wanted to close this sermon series with this idea of some practical steps we can take in a sermon that I've called Champions and Cheerleaders. Champions and Cheerleaders because it's easy for us to talk about living out contentment it is a much more difficult thing for us to actually be people who carry contentment who walk in contentment and there are some things we can do to nurture it there are some things we can do to live in commitment in our in contentment not commitment in contentment in our lives there are some things we can do to live in contentment and so the first thing that i want to kind of put in front of you today is this idea that we live by a different model. We live by a different model. And here's what I mean by that. If you've put your faith in your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, then you are a child of God. You put your faith in your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are not like the world. In fact, you are defined by the ways in which you are different from the world. And one of the ways in which we are different from the world is that we are living by a different model. You see, the world says, I want you to achieve. I want you to have ambition. I want you to get all that you can get. I want you to chase after the next thing. And I want you to chase after the next thing. And so ultimately what we end up doing is we go, I'm going to get the next thing and that will satisfy. And then it doesn't. And then we go after the next thing going, that will satisfy. And then it doesn't. The trap of the world. But we live by a different model. We live by a different model. We live not by the model of man. We live by the model of Christ. We live by the model of Christ. And so instead of adopting the mindset of whoever has made the the Forbes list this year, instead we adopt the mindset of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 2, these beautiful words. Look at the scripture. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, this is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. He's got a phenomenal relationship with this community, and this is what he's saying to them. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if you've been encouraged in Jesus Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if you've been comforted by the love of Jesus if there's any participation in the Spirit, which means if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit is breathing new life into your life, if there's any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry Or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I want to stop here for a second. Essentially what Paul is saying is, look, if you have been fed by, nurtured by, if God has given love, if God has given comfort, if God has given peace, if God's got new life bursting forth out of your life, then here's how we bring that into completion. Here's how we live in the completion of that. We start to view other people in our lives as more significant than us, Value. Other human beings as more significant than yourself. So what do you start doing? You go, you know what? Let me put your needs ahead of mine. Let me put what what is important to you in front of mine. Let me take what is valuable and necessary for you. And so what we end up doing is all of the kind of selfish things that we have fights about, all of the selfish things that are at the root of our discontentment, they start vanishing away as soon as we take that selfishness and put it to death by looking at everyone else and going, how can i serve you how can i love you how can i serve you how can i make your life better let each of you look not only to his his own interests but also to the interest of others have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus hold on hold on this is what paul is saying Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Some of you didn't realize when you walked in here today that if you are a follower of Jesus, then the mind of Christ already belongs to you. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, the mind of Christ already belongs to you by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit? You don't have to pray for God to give you a mind like Christ. He's already given it to you. You don't have to pray for what's already yours. What you have to start doing is going, you know what, Holy Spirit, I want to listen to your voice rather than my voice. Holy Spirit, I want to listen to your leading rather than what my sinful desire wants to take me to. See what Paul is saying is he's going, look, you want to be set free from your discontentment? You want to be set free from your lack of satisfaction and fulfillment? You want to be set free from comparing your life to others? You want to be set free? You have to adopt the mind of Christ, which is already yours. Which is already yours. And what's the mind of Christ? Well, Jesus Christ was God. He is God, by whom, through whom, and for whom all things were made. And what does God do? God says, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to take the form of a servant, and I'm going to become obedient to death on a cross. I read an interesting book this week that was talking about the history of early Christianity and the rapid spread of of Christianity in the first 200 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the book included this quote that I love. It said, Christianity is the only religion in the world that has as its central event the humiliation of its God. Christianity is the only religion in the world that has as its central event the humiliation of its God. It's Jesus Christ, God, going to the cross and dying. It's Jesus saying, I'm taking on the form of the servant. I'm going to be humbled. I'm going to be the one who pays what you owe. And what Paul is saying to us is that the answer for our discontentment is to adopt the mind of Christ and to view others more significantly than we view ourselves. Jesus died for his enemies' souls. Jesus died so that his enemies could come To new life. And Paul is saying to us if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't live by the world's model. You live by the model of a Jesus Christ, a Lord of all, a King of kings, who said, you know what? They are in need of something they cannot provide for themselves. So I will become the servant. That's the God we worship. And there's a difference for us between just saying that we believe in that Jesus and we love that Jesus and we're going to sing songs about that Jesus. There's a difference between that and saying, you know what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ already belongs to me. And so I'm putting my selfishness to death. My selfishness is going in the ground. Was by the power of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ is mine. And so I am empowered to view others more significantly. Why are you empowered? Because you already have everything. You already have everything. If you have Jesus, there's nothing else you can add on top of Jesus that will improve your life anymore. There's nothing else eternally that you can add on top of Jesus that's going to make your life eternally more significant or more meaningful or more satisfying. Jesus alone is eternally and fully satisfying. And because Jesus is eternally and fully satisfying, I am empowered to view others more significantly than myself because I'm not lacking anything. I may not have the Jeep. And our kids may be a hot mess sometimes. But I've got Jesus, y'all. I've got Jesus. And because I have Jesus, there's nothing that anyone else has that I need because I have everything that I need in Jesus Christ. See, Paul's going, we live by a different model because we have been given a different possession. You've been given a different possession. You don't have to fight over the stuff of this world anymore. You have the only thing that is eternally satisfying. And when we get that, when we get that at the core of our souls, when we understand that in our guts, it sets us free From comparison. It sets us free from discontentment. It sets us free from ever looking at someone else's house or spouse as something that we need to be fulfilled. Because we are already fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Paul is making it abundantly clear. We begin from a different place. We begin from a different standing. We follow a different model. So, if we follow a different model, what are some practical steps that we can take to live that out? Well, number one, we're teaming up. We're teaming up. Paul has a unique relationship to the community in a city in the northern part of Greece called Thessalonica. And so what Paul ultimately does is he sees the gospel message transform a community. He sees the gospel message radically Transform a community. And this is what Paul says to them in 2 Thessalonians. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness. In faith, in all your persecutions, and in the infliction, in the afflictions that you are enduring, Paul kind of opens up this letter, and he goes, "Hey, Thessalonian church, I just want you to know, we're so proud. Of you. We're so proud." We're so proud of what we see God doing in your life. And I'll tell you what, church in Thessalonica, we're so proud of you that we boast about you. When we go to other communities, when we go to other churches, we're like, oh, I'll tell you, you want to see God on the move, you got to get to Thessalonica. You want to see God transforming people's lives, you got to get to Thessalonica. But here's what ends up happening today. We don't team up like this. The sheer number of churches in Putnam County would floor you. Floor you because the majority of the churches in Putnam County are overwhelmingly small. You see, what has happened historically is there's a church and then two families get in a fight. And rather than teaming up together, rather than encouraging each other, rather than recognizing that they're on the same team, here's what they do. They go, well, now you're my opposition. Let's split up. And so now, the church, not that individual body, but the church as a whole in the community has suffered because there's division. How many times, Christians, how many times can we be guilty of looking at that church or that church or that ministry and instead of celebrating and championing what they're doing, we make it about a comparison? We make it about who's better, whose church is better, whose pastor is better, whose worship team is better, who's doing more here, who's doing more there. Can you imagine what would happen in this community if every Christian in this community took this attitude? Can you imagine what would happen if suddenly it became that thing of going, well, I'll tell you what, I'm a member at Dunn's Creek, but can I tell you what God is doing over at South Putnam Church? Can I tell you right now what God is doing at First Assembly? What God is doing there would blow your mind. Can I tell you how God is on the move? If you want to see God on the move when it comes to addiction recovery, you need to get to Francis Baptist Church because God's doing something there on Monday nights. I'm telling you, it changes the face of the community when we become teammates, when we become champions for one another, when we start going, oh, oh, God is doing some great things. And because God is doing some great things, we don't care where he's doing them. We are so Passionate about a revival of God's work in this community that we will celebrate it happening anywhere. Changes things. It gets us out of our human competitive thinking and it puts us with the mind of Christ and just looking like Paul is looking. Paul, who, you know, grew up a a Jew and then ended up ultimately coming to Christ and serving Jesus through this community in Antioch. But it doesn't matter that he's talking about a community in northern Greece. He's back in Jerusalem and he's going, let me tell you about this church in northern Greece where God is doing something amazing. It should be us, y'all. It's what it looks like to team up. So we team up, and when we team up, we become cheerleaders. When it team up, we team up, we become cheerleaders. Now, I've never been a cheerleader before, but I love the idea of the cheerleaders. I was on a football team, my freshman year of high school. I never played it down, not one. But I practiced on that team every day. And so because I practiced on that team every day but didn't play in the games, I spent a lot of time in the games, not watching the game, but watching the cheerleaders. And I was so impressed with the work they were doing. I was so impressed with the work they were doing because here's what they were doing. They're going, hey, we're all in this together. Let's champion each other. Hey, defense, defense, we need you to be aggressive. Be aggressive. That's what we need you to do. See, they're just encouragement. And, and, I, and I love that idea. I love this idea of us being cheerleaders for one another. Us being cheerleaders for one another, because here's the idea. We are all chasing after the same goal, because we are all chasing after Jesus. If you're chasing after worldly success, you may get it, but it won't be fulfilling. You may get it, but it won't be satisfying. But if you're chasing after Jesus, you can team up, you can cheerlead, you can champion one another. They may be flying by you right now, and instead of going, oh man, I'm not as good as them, you can go, come on, do it. Because we're all going in the same direction. We're all moving in the same direction. We're all chasing after Jesus. And so we become cheerleaders. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Now, hold on. Some of us have bought into the first half of that sentence, right? Some of us are really good at considering how to stir some things up. Some of us are really good at considering how we might stir up a situation. But that's not what the writer says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love in good works. No, we're not causing drama. We're cheerleading one another. Come on, come on. God's got more for you than this. Come on, God wants you to serve the community. Come on, God has placed you as a missionary there in that school. God has placed you as a missionary there in that workplace. Oh man, I know it's tough right now with your family, but God has given you everything you need to be an impact, to be a light for him in this dark place. Come on, come on, you can do it. That's what cheerleading looks like in the body. You champion one another. Come on. Come on, the Holy Spirit of God has given you everything you need. You are lacking nothing. Get out there and do it. Come on, we're with you. We're behind you. We're cheering you on. We're praying over you. Not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, the writer of Hebrews goes, hey, hey, if we're gonna champion each other, if we're gonna cheerlead one another, if we're gonna, if we're gonna stir each other on to love and good works, then one of the things we gotta do is we gotta keep meeting together. When we come here together for church on Sunday. I love this time that we have together. I love this sacred and special time that we have together on Sunday. But this isn't church. This building isn't church. Because the church isn't an organization, the church isn't a building, and the church is not an event. The church is the people of God. And so you're the church 24-7-365, 247 365 We meet together not to make us the church We meet together because we are the church and the church wants to champion and cheerlead one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to build each other up. We want to leave this place stronger than when we came in because there is a lost world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ and we've been given a mission. So as we close today, some practical steps. I want to leave you with this. Number one, Words of encouragement. Words of encouragement. I don't know if you've been the beneficiary or the recipient of a word of encouragement when you needed it most, but sometimes the right word of encouragement when you need it most will give fuel to the fire. It'll fan the flame and God will do more than you ever thought capable. But sometimes we all need that word of encouragement. Sometimes we need that word of encouragement that says you can go, you can do it, you can go further. Number two, praying blessings over others. So this is the one that might be the most difficult for you in a practical way, because let's be honest, there's gonna be a time this week where you're on the road in your car and someone's gonna fly by in theirs and you're gonna go, ooh, if only I had. There's going to be a time this week where you and your spouse have a fight and you're going to get on Facebook and you're going to see someone else talking about their spouse and you're going to go, why can't he be like that? There's going to be a time this week with your kids where you're ready to pull your hair out. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. This week when the car drives by that you go, ooh, I want that. I want you to pray pray blessings over that driver. They're going to drive by. You're going to go, ooh, I want that car, and then you're going to stop right there. God, I just want you to make yourself known to them. God, I just want you to pour out blessings on them, lead them, guide them. God, I pray that you would just continue to increase what you've given in them, God. God, I pray that you do a work in their life. God, I pray that you bring blessings on their marriage and on their family. God, I pray that their, their career is fruitful. Why would you do that? Because it's taking the mindset away from the thing you think you need. And it's making the mindset on how you can be a servant and a blessing to others. When you have the fight with your spouse and you get on Facebook and you go, why can't he be like that? You stop right then. You go, God, I just want to thank you right now for this friend. God, I just want to thank you right there for this friend in their marriage. And God, I know there's things going on in their marriage that I don't see. But God, I pray that you pour out blessing there. God, I pray that you do a work there. God, I pray that you bring more there. When you have that moment with your children, And you're looking at someone else and going, why can't I have their family just stop? And I want you to pray blessings over their family and their kids. Why are you doing that? Because it's taking a sword to your selfishness. It's saying, I'm not going to be led around by my selfishness anymore. I will choose to be a blessing. I will choose to be a servant. Number three, gratitude for what God has done for others. Gratitude for what God has done for others. What would it look like for you to begin praying to God in a way that said, God, I want to thank you for what you're doing for them. God, they just got the promotion and I didn't. God, thank you for what you're doing in their life. God, thank you for how they're mo- you're moving in their life. God, here's what's happening in men. We've been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and it seems like they're having their third already. God, thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing in that family. God, thank you for the blessings you're giving them. Why do we do that? Because it changes our mindset. It helps us claim what has already been given to us, the mind of Christ. It helps us to go, I'm not the most important person in the world. I'm a servant to the king. And because I'm a servant to the king, I can thank God for everything that he does for all of the other servants. Changes your mindset. Because here's the idea. I can preach a sermon. I can preach a dozen sermons. We will still be tempted to compare. We will still be tempted to walk through life with discontentment. The answer for us comes with a change of mind. God has not given you a mind, a heart, a soul for discontentment. God has given you a mind, a heart, and a soul to be a blessing to others. God has made you to champion and cheerlead what he is doing in the lives of others.